Almighty and everlasting Father, now that the siege is over in our lives, we ask you, Lord, to draw us nearer, draw us closer, draw us into a deeper walk of faith with you. Father, may the whole of our lives be your praise and your worship. Lord, guide us and lead us in the way we should go. Help us always to fulfill your will, to bring pleasure to you, O God. Glorify your name. As we share your word this morning, O God, speak to each one of us. Reach us, touch us, where no one has been able to reach us. Take away the heart of stone. Replace it with the heart of flesh. Give us hearing ears, O God, and let your name be glorified. At the end of today's gathering and fellowship, it will be more like Jesus. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a clap offering for the choir for that wonderful, wonderful ministration. You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Merry Christmas, everyone. No, wish me Merry Christmas, too. Uh-huh. You know, because we see ourselves week in, week out, we fall into the temptation of not wishing ourselves Merry Christmas. When you see somebody you have not seen in three weeks, you see the person, you say, oh, compliments of the season, Merry Christmas. But because we see ourselves, we have not done so. So turn to somebody to your right and to your left and say, Merry Christmas. Christmas is in the air. Hallelujah. So uh, let's remember, um, next week Sunday, this coming Sunday, we are having a carol service in the morning. Okay? Carol service in the morning. So come prepared, come excited, come hopeful, come believing God. Come let us honor the name of the living God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, this morning... I want to talk to us on the subject, the journey of faith and the divine will. The journey of faith and the divine will. I believe very strongly in my heart that the siege is over in all of our lives. And now that the siege is over, it is important that we walk in the will of God. You know, what is a siege? A siege principally or primarily prevents you from accessing the goodness of God benefits of God. So now that siege is over, my prayer is that we will not be besieged again in the name of Jesus. And it is by walking in faith, going through the path of the journey of faith, and walking in the will of God. Hallelujah. So Father, once again we thank you. Speak to us a word in season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, I will read from verse 26 down through to verse 38. So please follow me. Luke chapter 1 from verse 26 to verse 38. I read. In the sixth, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. A, note that, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, 
favored woman. Wow. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Again, note this. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? Hmm. But when you see, the, the journey of faith never knows how the promise of God will happen. He just trusts God for the promise to come to pass. I read it again. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For, note again, the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Once again, may God bless the reading of his word. Now, I want to begin by saying that the word of God is the will of God. For so many of us who may be wondering, what is the will of God? The word of God is the will of God. Now, what faith seeks to do is to walk in the will of God. That is what faith is all about. To be able to walk in the will of God. Now, the reason walking in faith is important for the believer is because faith delivers you from the clutches of religion and brings you into a dynamic relationship with God. Simply because religion is dead. A lot of the activities we engage in by way of religion are dead works. So faith seeks a partnership with God. Did you get that? Faith seeks a partnership with God. Faith understands that the word of God is final. Faith understands that delay does not invalidate the word of God. I hope somebody is, is, is hearing me this morning. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the promise of God will surely come to fulfillment. How do we know the promise of God will surely come to pass? We know because of something called the foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge is different from predestination. The foreknowledge of God comes from the omniscience of God. God can see tomorrow from now. Does that make sense? Acts chapter 15 verse 18 this time from the KJV, Acts chapter, sorry, I'll just be switching, okay? Where I see that what I want to bring out makes more impact, I will use the translation. Acts chapter 15 verse 18 says, Known unto God 
are all his works from the beginning of the world. Did you see that? Known unto God are all, all of his works from beginning to the end. You see? He believed God because God, when he was making that promise to you, knew that it would happen. Does that make sense? When God was making a promise to you, a promise that does not fit into your present situation, he made that promise to you because he already knew that it will happen. That is foreknowledge. Someone who knows all his works from the foundation of the world. That is what Acts chapter 15 verse 18 tells us. He sees tomorrow from today. You see, God in a conversation with Job, in Job chapter 38 verse 4, verse 4 to verse 7, Job chapter 38 verse 4 to verse 7, see, God was asking Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? What supports, what supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Brethren, if there's anyone here in this congregation who has an answer to this, who knows? Please speak up. If you do, it means that you have started rubbing shoulder with God. But if you don't, then know where you belong in the place of God. And that is why the will of God and walking in that will is important. It is important because God already has tomorrow figured out. He has it figured out. And knowing this, we then must understand that things don't just happen by chance. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to lay a foundation. When you understand this, you know that things don't happen by chance. Life is not an accident. Whenever we decide to do things, certain things, whatever it is we are doing, whenever we decide to act in certain ways, whether in or outside the will of God, there will be consequences. Brethren, the choices we make determine the paths of our destinies. So don't live life casually and just do anyhow and anything. The choices we make on a daily basis determines the path of our destinies. Every choice we make, whether to follow or not to follow the will of God, shapes the direction of our lives. You know, for instance, who asked this question of, I've heard it being asked, if Joseph's brothers had not sold Joseph into slavery, how would Joseph have become the prime minister of Egypt. So when people make or ask such questions or make such statements, they are suggesting that the prison path is the only way for him to have become the prime minister. But my answer to such a question is to say, let's step just a little one step or two steps backwards in the story of Joseph. If Joseph had not decided every time he had a dream, to call a press conference, he would not have gone to prison. If Joseph, through self-control and discernment, had chosen choice not to call a press conference each time he had a dream, God would have walked him into the palace with no stress. Does that make sense? It was his choice that took him to prison. Because he had that dream, he will come and show up. Oh boy, look at you. <laughs> Me? <laughs> now here I do. Now here I go. 
They say, eh, okay, we will see. Choices. For every choice we make, there are consequences. For instance, again, do you know that whenever you make a decision to live righteously, there will be opposition. You walk in the Ministry of Lands. Which, which is the most corrupt ministry? Immigration. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You walk in immigration. Oh, I shared with you people now how somebody came to give a testimony that since they posted me to immigration, I have not touched my salary for the last six months. So what is he surviving on? Egunje. <laughs> and he thinks that that is a testimony. See, Christians don't know what is right and what is wrong anymore. Anyway, so going back to that. Imagine to walk in immigration. I mean, next to immigration or side by side is the police. I don't know which one is better. Customs. All of them are the same now. Immigration, customs. Really. Imagine you walk there, any of these places. And as you rise up from service today, you say, I have decided no more bribe, no more corruption. Do you think it will be easy for you in the office tomorrow, Monday? So, every choice has a consequence. So, when you make such a decision, which is a good decision, you must from today and from this standpoint as you are making that decision, knowing that as you step into office tomorrow, there will be opposition. You must be prepared for it. When Paul in Ephesus stood and said, any God made with the hands of man is not God. What happened to him? Hell was let loose. All of the artisans in Ephesus came after him. Remember Demetrius? All of them came after him. But you see, when he made that statement, he knew there would be consequence and he stood by it. So we make choices and we make them whether it is convenient or inconvenient. In Genesis chapter 12, just going on this line, God said to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, are you following me? Somebody following me? In Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All families on earth will be blessed through you. Ah, is there anyone who wants to be here? I want to be there when God looks at a man and he says, all humanity will be blessed through you. May that be my portion, may that be your portion. Yeah. But you see, that was a prophecy, not by a prophet, but a prophecy from God himself. God said that to Abraham. But do you know that that did not just happen like that? Because God said it, Abraham became a blessing to humanity. No! For this prophecy to be fulfilled, Abraham had to make a choice. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Genesis chapter 20. Is somebody listening to me? Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Let me read it. It says, And in thy seed, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham became a blessing to humanity because, because, he obeyed the voice of God. If after God said that to him and he went to sleep, nothing will happen. He became a blessing because he obeyed the voice of God. Life is not an accident. Things just don't happen like that. There is a causative effect to everything that happens in our lives, which is tied to the choices we make. Abraham had a choice to obey 
being a blessing to humanity, which is a reward, was the consequence of obedience. Hebrews 11.6, you know that God is a rewarder of them who diligently, mark that word, diligently, faithfully, seek his word, seek him. So I want to ask you this morning, is there a promise you are looking up to heaven for its fulfillment? Stable financial life, a good job, a deeper spiritual work, a life partner, a healthy marriage, a healthy body. Whatever God says, do it as a reward for obedience. So just like Mary said to the waiters at the wedding in Cana, whatever he says to you to do, do what? Do it. How do we position ourselves in this journey of faith to be at the center of God's will? How? Now turn with me to Second Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7, I will read verse 2 and verse 3. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 2 and verse 3, I read. Because of time, I need to move fast. And the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains, in tents. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Ah, for the Lord is with thee. The greatest sign of a man walking in the will of God is that God is with him. That God is with him. Look at Joseph in prison. The Bible says, and God was with him. So that's the problem of today's gospel. And they tell you that because you entered prison, that is a cause, or life has dabbled for you, or a sin that brought you. But you see, he was in prison, and God was with him. So there's no better way to be in the will of God than God being with you. Now, this Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, in it, David revealed that a man can so love God and desire. Please, no, hold on to the words that I speak this morning. A man can so love God and desire to honor God in his life in such a way that God, even God, can bend over backwards for him. You know the story. You know the story. God told the prophet to go tell David, you thought in your heart to build me a house, a house made of cedar wood. Because you thought in your heart to build me a house, I, I will build you an everlasting house. And God followed up that statement and said, there shall not lack a man of David on the throne of Israel because of that thing you did. Because you thought in your heart to honor me. From today, there will not lack a man of David on the throne of Israel. You see, to see how powerful, how powerful the word of God is, rather than there not be a man of David on the throne of Israel, God ended kingship in Israel, ended it. Rather than there will not be a man of David on the throne of Israel, God says it's over with monarchy in Israel. Over. <laughs> okay, some of you are wondering what I'm saying. Solomon's son, what was his name? Rehoboam messed up, and God divided Israel into two kingdoms and retained two for the lineage of David. And eventually, Judah messed up. When Judah messed up, and God said, you know what? No more. What happened? That was the last. There was no more king in Israel until Jesus, the root of David, came back 
and from the look we read, his reign is forever. You see, that God, when he speaks a word, you might think that nothing is happening. That is the greatest mistake we make. People who were in Israel at that time would have said, Ah, say we heard that God had said there will not lack a man on the throne of David. What is happening now? Nothing is happening. But God's word was working in the atmosphere. And it waited for years, perhaps hundreds of years, for it to come back and fulfill what he had said. Because the word of God must accomplish his purpose. So if God made you a promise, you make a mistake to live a careless life because you are not seeing it happening around you. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let me emphasize this. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1 that we read before, verse 26. We started from verse 26. We'll read it to verse 31 this time around. Listen to it. Listen to it. Are you following me? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Got it. A descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Is that not what God said? Upon the throne of Israel, they will not lack a man of David. And Bartholomew said, Oh, Jesus, thou art son of David. Fear God. The promise of God never falls to the ground. Never does. When God speaks, the word must accomplish its purpose. No matter how long it takes, no matter how long it must. Now, when you set out to honor God in your life, Usually, people do not see the motivation in your heart to honor God. But you know what? Heaven notices. When David set out in his heart to honor God, people around him did not know. But heaven noticed. And God sent Nathan, go and tell him, because you thought this in your heart, I will do this for you. So, when you sit in an assembly, in a church, in the gathering of God's people, and you say, everybody is misbehaving, why must I be the one to do what is right? When you make a choice to do what is right, because God expects it of you, heaven notices. And it was this motivation to honor God that drove David to challenge Goliath, even at the risk of his life, at the risk to his life. You remember now, David said, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is defying the armies of God? No, he was ashamed that a man was threatening the army of God. What it meant is that if they stepped out of that place back to Israel, they would have what they call the peace of the graveyard. Somebody came and shamed them. He said, I know, rather than God be shamed, I would rather die. A desire to honor God. A desire to honor God. Let me shock you one more time. Do you know that God said that no Ammonites or Moabites or any of their descendants for ten generations be admitted into the assembly of the Lord? You know that Deuteronomy, please put it on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3. 
Deuteronomy 23, verse 3. Okay, let me read it from here. No Ammonites or Moabites or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. Do you know what that means? No Moabites considered to be outside of the commonwealth of Israel can ever partake in whatever concerns God's people. But do you know that God broke this? God broke this with Ruth. If you read the story of Ruth, chapter 2, it introduces Ruth as a Moabite. Why? Because of one thing, loyalty. Ruth became the great-grandmother of who? David. Because of what somebody did and chose to do, God adopted her and brought her into the commonwealth of Israel and broke what he said. Ten generations. It was not up to ten generations. And that root became the lineage of Jesus Christ. We, most of us, anyone who takes honoring God lightly, don't know what you are doing, your destiny. God is looking for what? Loyalty. And what is loyalty? Somebody may ask. Loyalty. Listen to me. Simply taking side with God. Can I repeat that? The simple definition of loyalty is taking side with God. And what does that mean? Any situation you find yourself in the office, in your neighbors, in your compound, in your association, in your home, and you look at that situation, God is on this side, and this side God is not in. And you take side with God, no matter how inconvenient it is to you. That is what God calls loyalty. That's not what Ruth did. Loyalty is taking side with God in every area of your life. In the office, as they sit down and they are, and they are discussing, so how do we do this thing? How do we rip up these clients? How do we do this? How do we, how do we add our own bribe inside? And there's God on this side who say, no, it shouldn't be. You stand aside, no matter what they will say concerning you. That is taking sides. That's loyalty. When you ask yourself the question, where is God on this issue? And the reason you are asking is because you want to take sides with him. That is loyalty. Stand with him. Simple. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. God said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the edge and stand in the gap before me for the land. I should that I should not destroy it, but I found not. Hmm. It is an indictment. Let, let me read it from the New Living Translation. Look at the way the New Living Translation put it. Are you listening? I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. If my people who are called by my name. God is always looking for men who will stand in the gap. Men who are loyal. Do you know that the preservation of Nigeria as a nation will be as a result of one man we don't know that is standing in the gap somewhere? Yes. Before God wanted to destroy Sodom, he said if you can find 50 men. Is that not? Are you seeing the principle repeating itself in the Bible? That means before God destroys somewhere, it is because he has not found nobody. If I find 50 people, I will not. Okay, if I find 20, if I find 15, if I find 10, and they went on and on. If God can find, he will not. The Bible eh, is a mystery. 
is a mystery that God wants to open to us. God is looking for loyal people. Let me close because of time. I may have jumped, but I hope that God will give you the understanding. Hmm? And I say this because of the misconception of a lot of people as to why you are a Christian and why you are in church. You know, we are talking about the journey of faith and the will of God. There's a misconception about what Christ came to do. And I need us to understand that the objective of the revelation of Christ is not the welfare of man. Ah, nobody looked up when I said that. It means you didn't get it. The objective of the revelation of Christ, are you hearing me? Not the welfare of man. What is the welfare of man? When we go to church and they are telling you how you can prosper, seven steps to being promoted, five steps to becoming like Dangote, two steps never to be poor in life. That is about the welfare of man. That is not the reason why Jesus came. If that were to be the reason why Jesus came, it means that this gospel will not be relevant in where's that country that they say is, uh, is the richest nation in the world, the small nation. Brunei. It means it will not be relevant in Kuwait. It means it will be partially relevant in a place like Dubai, where they say the GPR, what they call it, the, the, the standard of living of almost 90% of the people is okay. Is that why Jesus came? No. The gospel of Jesus Christ is universal and should apply to everybody. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Listen to this. Christ came to save the world of sin. That was the objective. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from what? Their sins. That was why he came. He shall save the people from their sins. What did Jesus come to do? He came to tackle what stood as a barrier between man and God. And what is it that stands as a barrier between man and God? Sin. Not wealth. Sin. I've preached it somewhere. The truth of the matter is that I don't pray, but we need to understand it. We need this understanding. Lack draws quite a lot of people closer to God. Sometimes prosperity drives them away from God. When you see somebody who's prospering and is still standing in God, that's a lot of grace and discipline. When people lack, attend vigils, pray a lot, call them for meeting, they will come. Give them an assignment, they will do. When money comes, three months you won't see them in church. By the time you see them on the road, ah, brother or sister, where have you been? We have not seen you. Ah, did I tell you I bought a Mercedes Benz? No, it happens. Oh, I've become so busy, you know, that on Sunday mornings I have to play golf with the CEO of uh, this company. So that this, are you seeing? They will be wise. May God not give us the wealth that will take us away from Him. And may not God not allow lack into our lives. That will cause us to dip our hands into sin. In the name of Jesus. So he came to tackle what stood as a barrier between man and God and that was sin. And sin, simply, is disobedience to the will of God. That is the definition of sin. Disobedience to the will of God. God is looking for people who will stand in obedience in order to preserve the world that we live in. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 1 verse 9 and verse 10, I read it. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, who should have been as Sodom, 
Are you seeing it again? Had God not left a, a remnant, it would have been like Sodom. What was, what was the fate of Sodom? Sodom was destroyed. Had God not left a remnant, it would have been like Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. God is looking for a remnant. And that remnant can be in the office. That remnant can be in your compound. That remnant can be in your home. That remnant can be in your parenting method to your children. That remnant can be in any area of life. But God is looking for what? A remnant. God always preserves a remnant. And I want to ask you this morning, will you be the remnant? Will you be the remnant? Joseph and Mary are an example of a remnant in their generation. You know the story of Mary, don't you? Mary, the Bible tells us, was a virgin. She lived a chaste and a pure life. But can I tell you that Mary did not live a chaste and a pure life because she was looking to be the one to birth the Messiah. She did not know that that was God's intention. All she was doing was that she was living right. And God saw it amongst all the virgins in the land and said, you will be the one that will carry the Messiah. She didn't know. She didn't know that God was searching for somebody. But what did happen? She was loyal and stood in the gap. God picked her. When we set out to do what is right, we honor God and God notices. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, the father and mother of John the Baptist, the burden of their challenge, what was their challenge? Elizabeth was barren. That did not stop them in any way from walking uprightly. God chose them to be the one to birth the forerunner of Jesus. Heaven notices. Men may not notice, but heaven notices. What of Simeon and Anna? How many of you know the story of Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2? In spite of the depravity of their time, in spite of the harshness of their time, they did not go to the temple every day to go and ask God, prosper me now, prosper me now. What were they doing every day in the temple? They were praying for the Messiah to come. Today, they are recorded in the book of life for generations after generations to see that they are almost, almost unnoticeable action in the front of men, but heaven notices. Every day, a man comes to church and a woman for almost the whole of their lives. Lord, we want to see the Messiah come. We want to see. Do you know that without their prayer, the Messiah would not have come? Nothing happens. God does nothing except in answer to prayers. Why does God need people to pray before something happens? There are some of you, some of you seated here, that all through this year, 2021, you have never taken even five minutes to pray for any other person. All your prayer from January to today is about me. God bless me. God bless me. God promote me. God prosper me. God this. Me, me, me. Not to talk about the 7,000 men who did not bow their knees to idols in Elijah's time. God always reserves the remnant. Will you be the remnant? God is looking for a loyal remnant. Mary was part of that remnant, and that was why God chose her. Again, back to Luke chapter 1, verse 28. I'm closing now, finally. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The angel referred to Mary as a favored one. 
When you read the Bible, the Bible does not use words carelessly. The Bible says the angel referred to Mary as a favored one. You know what this tells us? It tells us that when we live our lives according to the will of God, we qualify for favor. Life is not by merit. Hear me and hear me well. Life is by the favor of God. Oh, if, if I pay my tithe, if I do this, then the windows of heaven will be open and all that. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. You've been paying now and they've sacked you from job. Oh yeah, now? Oh yeah? God, oh yeah, you must give me a bit. It's not like that. Does it look, look 1710? I can't remember now. That thing you are doing, you are doing it because that is what is expected of you to do. You are not doing God a favor. You are doing it for your sake. Life is by what? Favor. Not by merit. Merit gives us a, a sense of entitlement. And God does not like entitlement mentality. You know why? Touch <laughs> listening to me. Because God, God, when God wants to favor God, judges Muti. Men judge what they see. Okay. This brother comes to me and says, ah, just maybe service has finished or one thing. But we are all prepared. Ah, pastor, please, please just give me, give me 500 naira. No, 200 naira. Please give me 200 naira. I'm very broke. Very, very broke. Just 200 naira. I want to eat. We all probably know that 200 naira cannot buy much. Hmm? He said it openly before people told me. And I keep my hands in my pocket. I want to give him that 200. But I realize everybody's watching. And they, they probably would be saying, ah, how can pastor give 200 now? Ah, ah. Pastor, you should do better now. After all, you are pastor now, senior pastor. Ah, bah. ah, Then ah. I dip my hands and I bring 2,000 naira. And I give him, smiling. Then he will go away. I say, ah, this pastor is generous. He is such a good man. Am I good? God, who saw this? Is he good? Why did I do it? I did it because of you people looking on. If we were in the secret of the room, I would give him 100 or that 200 naira. So men will judge me as good, but God saw the motive of my heart. Listen, when you go to God by merit, always go back to look what motivated me to do what I did. And truly, when the motive is right, you never demand a return from God. You let God be. David only thought it in his heart. He did not announce it to people. It was not because of people. It was in his heart. How can I be living in a palace and the ark of God is in a tent? No, I must do something. God said, I saw it in your heart. And because of that, I will give you an everlasting house. When good works are to be judged, motive is prime. I close for the third and the final time. <laughs> David said in Psalm 26, verse 1, I'm just trying to jump so that at least you can, you can hold something when you get out of church today. Psalm 26, verse 1, David said, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. How was a man, David, be able to say this? How was he able to say this? To say to God, God that we know looks into the heart, Judge me, O Lord, I have walked in my integrity. You know why? As many as are led by the Spirit of God. When you walk by the Spirit, there's no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Simply, let me explain it 
Okay, let me use the converse of the example I gave. Somebody says, give me 20 naira, 100 naira, whatever it is. And as I want to put my hand, still in front of all of you, to give him that 100 naira, the spirit whispers to me, don't do it. You know that God can do that for several reasons. The person is probably going to use it for drugs. He's going to get himself into trouble with that money. God says, don't do it. And in front of all of you, I say, I'm not able to give you 100 naira. All of you can think of me as stingy or as selfish. It is irrelevant. Why? Because I obeyed God. There's no condemnation in my heart that I've done anything wrong. The journey of faith is the practice of walking with God. You don't do it because somebody will look down on you. You don't do it because men will praise you. You don't do it because men will think little of you. You don't do it because people will regard you as weak. You do it because God wants you to do it. That is what it means to walk in the will of God. No one of us can ever feel entitled with the one who holds our breath. I need to close this or else the more I look at this, the more I say I'm closing for the fourth time. So let me close it and end. No one of us can ever feel entitled with God. No one. The one who holds our breath. Somebody who holds your breath. No, we exist because of this oxygen we take in and take out. And as you take in the one who holds your breath and say, pay me, pay me before you can breathe out, pay me. Are you not ready to pay him anything? Are you not? Will a man not give anything for his life? Is that not what the Bible says? Anything. So how can you hold such a person to ransom? What is it you can do for him that is too much when he's holding your breath? Eh? What? What? If God were to say, pay me a thousand naira for every second of breath, we would look for the money wherever. And when the money exhausts in our bank account, what do we do? We come and lie on the altar and say, Lord, mercy. Lord, mercy. God mercy. That is why the Bible says we are created for his pleasure. The pleasure of God to do the bidding and the will of God. When you do it, heaven notices. You don't follow the will of God because of men. You follow the will of God because you want to honor God. That is where it matters. Shall we bow our heads? I want you to talk to God. The Bible talks about us walking circumspectly. You know the ways you have walked carelessly with God. Ask him for mercy, for forgiveness, and ask him for grace to return you to his will. We don't live life for ourselves. We live it for his pleasure. Each time we walk outside the will of God, we grieve him. We bring displeasure to him. We hurt him. That's what we do. And we do it so carelessly. We do it so frequently. If every second of our lives were to be calculated to see in 24 hours in a day, how many of it was lived for the pleasure of God and how many of it was lived outside the pleasure of God? For a good number of us, it may be just one second in a whole day that we live for the pleasure of God. The rest of 20, 23 hours and uh, is in 96, uh, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, we are lived for our own pleasure. I want us to ask God for grace. Grace. The year is coming to an end. 2022 is coming. 
Nigeria is in disarray. The line between this nation being destroyed and being preserved is a very thin one. But God is looking for those who will stand in the gap. The more we are as those in the gap, the less likely this nation will be destroyed. And God is looking for you and is looking for me. If you are here this morning, you have not accepted Jesus. That is the beginning of the journey of faith. You do not know him. You have not embraced him. You have not asked him to be the Lord of your life, to be the guide of your life, to be the savior of your life for now and for eternity. I just want you to wave your hand at me. Just wave that hand at me. Because the journey of faith begins with you accepting Jesus. You walking in the will of God can never be outside of Jesus Christ. It can only be in Him. If you want to live life in the will of God, I want you to lift that hand. Lift it up. I want to pray with you. That's all I want to do. So that the rest of this year going into 2022, you will enter knowing that you are walking in the center of the will of God. Is there anyone who is making that decision? Anyone? Do I see any hand up? Thank you, my brother. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Please lift it. Let me see it very well. Thank you, my brother. Is there any other person? Any other person who's taking this decision? You're saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be the savior of my life. I want a new beginning. Is there any other person? Is there any other one? Thank you, my brother. Thank you. God is waiting for you. God sees your heart. God knows you are crying. You are yearning for him. So it's not because of what men see. You may not want to show men that you need him, but God knows you need him. But the same God said, if you deny me before men, I also will deny you before my father. So this is one hurdle you need to cross. If you are here and you know you need Jesus, I want you to lift that hand up, lift it up clearly so that God will see it. God will see it. God will identify you with you amongst men. Are you here for the last time you want Jesus into your life, into your heart? as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. While everyone is still praying with their heads bowed, can I invite you, my brother there, my brother here, to just step forward. Can I invite you? Come forward. Come forward. Because you need to make a public show of your decision. You need to make a public show. Put the devil to shame so that God will give you a truly new beginning. I want you to step forward, please. My brother, I saw your hand up. Can you come forward? Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. Please keep praying. This is not a show. Talk to God about your life, about your destiny, about how you want to walk with him for the remaining part of this year and for the next year.
Jesus. Father, we thank you. Jehovah, we bless you. As a church and as a people, come together, O oh Lord, in faith. And we ask, Lord, that you deepen our work with you. Help us on this journey of faith to do your will. To do your will. Now we understand that when you have spoken a word, no matter how long it may take, your word must come to fulfillment. So, Father, we lay hold on your word. And we say, O oh Lord, let your word be fulfilled in our lives. Give us the grace to walk circumspectly with you. Let the power of heaven fall upon our destinies. Each one of us, O oh God, that you, O oh Lord, be glorified. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. May our lives not remain the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.